Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. The Holy Eucharist. Transubstantiation. The bread and wine no longer ceasing to exist as bread and wine, becoming the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. Is that true? Are there miracles to back up what the church has been teaching for 2,000 years? To have that conversation, we're going to speak with Ray Gorhalba. He is uh, a part of a an effort to bring about a movie on the Eucharistic miracles. We have already inter- interviewed him once, but it was, I don't know, a while back now. A uh, good long time now. And so he's going to be back on the program today to talk, give us an update about the the project, the filming of the Eucharistic Miracles movie, which includes um, the director who's won an Oscar, which we also interviewed. He was incredible as well. So we're going to get an update on the movie, plus we're going to talk about some of the miracles that they're going to be featuring in this film and what is the evidence for those, at least as much as he is able to share with us today. So Ray Grijalba from Eucharistic Miracles is going to be on the program today, plus In the after show, we're going to speak with former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. Now, what we're going to do in the after show, since that does not get broadcast on radio, uh, we're going to record that conversation, but you can watch it live today if you want, right on our website at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. You can hang out with us and comment there. But uh, we're going to record that conversation. We'll play it as a, in one of the guest segments coming up in this hour, maybe tomorrow or Friday or something like that. We'll have to let you know how that comes out. But that is the plan for today. Uh, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo and Ray Gerhalba are going to be on the program. Plus, we're going to have a What's Concerning Us, Breaking News and Stories, Gospel of the Day, Saint of the Day, and so much more, all coming up on Catholic Drive Time today. Praise be to God. Good morning to you, Janelle. Good morning, Mr. Joe. Have you ever spoken to Mike Pompeo before? Um, yes, I did in a dream. Um, Seriously? <laughs> no. Was that what? What? No. Okay, my head just got really twisted there. Like, who dreams of Mike Pompeo? Besides, of course, his wife and children. Praise yes. be to God. But uh, <laughs> that's weird. Speaking of which, <laughs> speaking of which, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to be here. Have you ever spoken to Mike Pompeo before? Um, I can't say I have. I can't say I have. And, you know, Ray was actually, I think he was one of our first guests. I think he was like yeah, the he first, was pretty early on. first month, second month, very early on. So that's very exciting. Yeah, I was looking forward to getting an update on the film. Um, this is a big project to make a film of this magnitude. They're involving people who work in Hollywood, who, I mean, even the folks that work for, you know, the ILM, the... Uh, uh, the, the the specialty uh, people who do the, all the gra- the fancy graphic stuff and CGI work and for big huge Hollywood films they're also helping on this project so it should be a big deal and we're excited to figure out where it's at right now but uh, big big show today Mike Pompeo is going to be a great guest where are we at in our rising tensions with Russia and China I mean things are seeming to heat up here what does this mean what could he tell us what about that uh, Wuhan lab leak theory that's gone mainstream these days or uh, what is or has there been evidence for it if so what what can we know about all of that that's going to be part of the conversation but also what about the growing tension and division between the people of america 
and those that are voted in to represent them. Uh, is there a, a change coming in that regard as well? So we're going to have that conversation with Mike Pompeo. Big show today. Let's pray for your intentions, of course, for the conversion of sinners around the world and for all those facing death today, that God will be merciful upon them. Uh, let's go to the sacred heart of Jesus. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, O most sacred heart of Jesus, pour down thy blessings abundantly upon thy church, upon the Supreme Pontiff, and upon all the clergy. Give perseverance to the just, convert sinners, enlighten unbelievers, bless our parents, friends, and benefactors. Help the dying, free the souls from purgatory, and extend over all hearts the sweet empire of thy love. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the headlines with Janelle Lay. Raiders defensive lineman becomes NFL's first openly gay player. Bishop soft on sacrilege, prelates won't deny communion to pro-abort politicians. Hong Kong pro-democracy tabloid Apple Daily to print final edition on Thursday. Police death toll for militant attack in Burkina Faso rises to 15. Pakistan bomb blast kills four, including child. Airstrike kills dozens in Ethiopia's Tigray region. Joe Biden to renew gun control push in Wednesday crime speech. From the Washington Times, Philippine President Rodrigo Duterte get vaccinated for COVID-19 or go to jail. Philippine President Rodrigo late Monday threatened to jail people who refused to be vaccinated for COVID-19. Mr. Duterte didn't say how that would work, but he's known for skirting the letter of the law in his vicious crackdown on drug trafficking. If you don't want to get vaccinated, I will have you arrested, the president said in a translated version of his television address reported in the Philippine Star. I will have you injected in your buttocks. Mr. Duterte also said that people who don't want the shot should leave the country. Go to India if you want to, or somewhere to America. But for as long as you are here and you are a human being, you can carry the virus. Get vaccinated, he said. Choose get vaccinated or I will have you jailed. I am telling you, police detention cells are not clean, he said. Every filth is there. You will stay there. The Star reported that Mr. Duterte issued arrest orders related to COVID-19 against quarantine violators and people without face masks. From Crooks, fires destroy two Catholic churches on Canadian Indigenous reserves. Two Catholic churches on First Nations reserves in British Columbia have burned to the ground in fires overnight. Canada... Canadian National Police Force said on Monday. The Royal Canadian Mounted Police said a patrol officer saw fire come from the Sacred Heart Church in the Penticton Indian Band Reserve early Monday morning. By the time the officer arrived on scene, police say that the church was fully engulfed. Less than two hours later, the RCMP in Oliver, British Columbia, were called to St. Gregory's Church, located in the Osoyoos Indian Band Reserve. They say police are liaising with both Penticton and also use band Indian bands as part of the investigation. They say both churches were destroyed and investigators are treating the fires as suspicious. The recent discovery of what are believed to be the remains of 215 children at the site of the former Kamloops Indian Residential School, which operated between 1890 and 1969, when the federal government took over operations from the Catholic Church and operated as a day school until it closed in 1978. From the 19th century until the 1970s, more than 1,500,000 First Nation children in Canada were forced to attend state-funded Christian schools as an effort to assimilate them into Canadian society. 
The Canadian government has admitted that physical and sexual abuse was rampant in the schools, with students beaten for speaking their native languages. I'm Janelle Lay, and those are your headline news for Wednesday, June 23rd. God love you. The saint of the day is Saint Etheldria. She was born in 636 AD and was a sister of Saint German. She was relative to King Anna of East Anglia and a princess. She was widowed after three years of marriage, and rumor had it that the marriage was never consummated, as Etheldria had taken a vow of perpetual virginity. She married again for political reasons. Her new husband knew of her vow, but grew tired of living as brother and sister, and began to make advances on her. She refused him. He tried to bribe the local bishop, St. Wilford of York, to release her from her vow. Wilfried refused and instead helped Audrey escape to a promontory called Colbert's Head. A high tide came in and stayed high for seven days. It kept her separated from her husband and was considered divine intervention. The young man gave up and the marriage was annulled and Audrey took the veil. She spent a year with her niece, St. Ebb the Elder, founded the, who founded the great Abbey of Eli, where she lived an austere life. Etheldria died of an enormous and unsightly tumor on her neck. She gratefully accepted this as divine retribution for all the necklaces she had worn in her early years. She died on the 23rd of June, 679, of natural causes. Her body was reinterred in 694 and found incorrupt. Saint Etheldria, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through 20. Jesus said to his disciples, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but underneath are ravenous wolves. By their fruits you will know them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Just so every good tree bears good fruit, and a rotten tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a rotten tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. So by their fruits you will know them. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, uh, I like these shorter passages that are just ram full of awesomeness because you can just dive deep on them and meditate quite a bit. And uh, you just have just about a handful of uh, sentences to really think about, too, and there's still so much there. Beware of false prophets. Now, I want to point out a couple of things here by looking through the commentaries. Navarre, Hadock, the early church fathers, uh, Ignatius Catholic Study Bible. You will be judged by their works, the Navarre commentary points out. What really matters is whether they did the will of God on earth. Now, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he's warning them that they will be judged based on their works. Based on their works. It's one thing to believe, to have faith, to believe. But if your life does not bear good works as a result of that faith, of that belief, of that decision you made to follow Christ to Calvary, then you have not borne good works. Think about that for a moment. The Ignatius Catholic Study Bible points out that uh, false prophets, these so-called prophets, appear harmless, yet their ministry breeds error, division, and immorality. These are the fruits of their ministry. But I really want to point out 
Look at the sheep's clothing versus the ravenous wolves underneath. Now, this is very common in the early church. The Catholic commentary uh, pointed out that these false teachers will bear the appearance of belonging to the flock of Christ. Hence, that is the danger. Hadock even went on to say that they are far more dangerous, these these, uh, ravenous wolves, uh, hiding themselves under the clothing of sheep, having the appearance of Christianity, having churches, sacraments, they deceive many. These are the rapacious wolves. Now, I want to uh, bring to your attention one of my favorites, and I said this, I think, last week, Ignatius of Antioch, 110 AD. I shared with you in the email list uh, my narration of his seven epistles from 110 AD when he was on his way to be eaten by lions. You know that the main theme behind all seven of those letters was to his flock, to the Christians, begging them not to go over to the heretics. Why? these docetists, these heretics, because they he knew that as they had to face the choice of dying for the faith, being martyred for the cause of the faith, thanks to the Roman emperor, that they would be tempted to choose the easier path to go to the docetists. Well, why would they do that? Why wouldn't they just stand their ground? Because the docetists, they had the smells and the bells. They had the vestments. They had the prayers. They looked like and acted like Christians, but they weren't. They were heretics. They were false prophets. They had everything except one thing. When the emperor said you had to offer your pinch of incense to the gods, to his own personal cult, the docetists were like, fine, whatever. We don't care. It doesn't matter. What the body does is evil, so it doesn't really matter. And Ignatius knew that many souls would be lost because they would go to a church that looked like the real thing, but wasn't. And he was trying to beg them to hold fast to the true Catholic church, which is why he used the word Catholic, the first recorded instance of it, Ignatius of Antioch in his letter to the Samaritans. So this is very important for us in our day and age, not to give in to the temptation to have a false church that looks and acts like, smells, bells, the whole deal, but is devoid of that real truth, that hardcore truth, that we must take up our cross, follow our Lord to Calvary, and there die next to him. Hadock would go on to say, false teachers are known by their separation from the ancient church and their divisions among themselves, the necessary consequences of rebelling against the authority established by Christ and alone capable of determining controversies. Powerful stuff. In the next hour, I'll share with you St. Gregory the Great's opinion on the matter, too. It's very, very powerful. Don't go anywhere. That is going to do it for our commentary. Thanks to verboom.com forward slash GRN for underwriting that. We come back. What's concerning us? The traditional mass in St. Peter's. Has it been suppressed? I'll tell you. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern. Right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. 
weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. GloryandShine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. GloryandShine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At GloryandShine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, GloryandShine.com. Thank you again. to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Praise be to God. It's good to be on with you. Coming up in, uh, at a little 35 past the hour, Ray Grijalba is going to be on. He's our guest. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Eucharistic Miracles movie that he is helping to produce. Uh, it's going to be a big project. We're very excited about it. As I said at the top of the hour, we've had him on before, but in a day and an age where 69% of People who profess to be Catholic do not believe in what the Church teaches about the transubstantiation of the Holy Eucharist. Uh, I think it's important to continue our conversation. We'll get an update on the movie, but we're going to talk about Eucharistic miracles in particular. What is the evidence for this? Why would he want to make a whole film, spend a ton of money, go around you know, the world to figure, uh, figure out how to tell a story about what the Church teaches in a way that will, in, in, you know, inspire people to come in, come home, or recommit themselves to what the church teaches. That's our conversation with Ray Grijalba coming up. But in the after show today, which is the second half of the second hour, it's going to be live streamed only. And uh, Mike Pompeo, former Secretary of State, is going to be our guest. We're going to be talking about rising tensions uh, between us and China, us and Russia, as well as uh, a lot of other stories like the lab leak theory that's gone mainstream. How about the intersection of faith and politics? Or how about the growing tension and division between the people of America and those people who have been voted in to represent them? What about that? All that coming up with our guest, Mike Pompeo, in the second half of the second hour. There are several stories in the news I would like to conversate about. Of course, the teams are welcome to uh, chime in anyway. Um, Here's one. Is this a headline? I don't want to spend too much time on it, but you might recall that yesterday I mentioned that the Bishops' Conference in Europe has stepped up to publicly oppose an effort to make abortion a human right. Well, today, Catholic News Agency has a headline that says, Breaking Soros and the IPPF-funded EU parliamentarians aim to uh, to blacklist reputable Christian groups. The uh, story goes on to say the European Parliamentary Forum of for Sexual and Reproductive Rights, a group of European parliamentarians committed to compelling the recognition of abortion as a human right worldwide, is preparing a major political coup aimed at discrediting rep- reputable Christian and human rights organizations, which the group describes as religious extremists, allegedly committed to roll back human rights in sexuality and reproduction. Well, you can read the article for yourself. It is over at Catholic News Agency, catholicnewsagency.com, and we we can link to it. But um, I just find it interesting that here we find another example of George Soros putting his billions of dollars behind uh, programs, organizations, movements, and institutions that uh, are very much opposed to what we believe with natural law and the dignity of the human person. 
and I wanted to bring that to your attention. Here's a story I found interesting. I wonder if you even heard of this or knew about it. I didn't. I didn't even know this was a thing at all until I just saw this headline, and I, I found this surprising. Here's the headline is reported over at The Blaze. U.S. basketball pro lost 40 pounds, ate bug-infested rice while secretly detained in China for eight months. Did you hear anything about a, a professional basketball player being detained in China for eight months? I had no idea. The story goes a professional American basketball player lost 40 pounds and was forced to eat bug-infested rice during a horrifying eight-month stint in Chinese solitary confinement last year, according to the Wall Street Journal. The player, 33-year-old Jeff Harper, which I have no idea who that is. I don't follow basketball had reportedly been in Shenzhen for a basketball tournament in January 2020 when he got into an altercation with a Chinese resident. Harper allegedly came upon a couple fighting and stepped in to protect the woman by shoving the man, an action prompting his arrest and thus beginning his eight-month nightmare. During the length of his detention, Harper never appeared in court and was never formally charged with a crime despite being informed a couple of months into his detention that the man he shoved had fallen into a coma and died. Wow, that's pretty crazy. But here's, I guess, what piques my curiosity or, or what uh, the questions that come up in my mind. You remember uh, last year or the, maybe it was 2019, started in 2019, going through 2020, all of the dust up between the NBA, China. And then there was that uh, gentleman who came out of the, uh, the, uh, the team in Houston who brought up to the attention of the world sort of how the NBA is playing into the hands of the CCP in China, and they are basically being manipulated by China and playing along with it because they want the opportunity to to make tons of cash in the second largest economy in the world, soon to be the first, you know, at least it's on track, it's it's moving in that direction. And so they they turn a blind eye to the crimes that go on in China because they don't want to upset the apple cart because they don't want to upset CC, the CCP. Well, where is all the dust up for one of their players being imprisoned? Where was the headlines that said this person has been arrested and detained for eight months? Did it? Maybe it was out there. It's possible I just simply didn't see it. I don't follow basketball. I mean, remember all the take a knee stuff? Remember all that? The, the, the crash in ratings for the NBA, I mean, the abysmal ratings that they've suffered now because of their wokeness, and yet one of their own is they're detained for eight months in China, and not a word until this headline comes out. I find that very interesting. Here's another story. Uh, Google responds to claims that it secretly installed COVID-19 tracking app on users' phones. Do you have a, a, a Google device? I don't. Never had. I know a lot of people who do, and they love them. Uh, but I wonder how you feel about uh, Google tracking you without your, your, your permission or maybe that you're not even aware of it. This is reported over at the Epic Times. It says a number of Android phone users over the past weekend reported that a COVID-19 notification system was automatically installed on their phones without warning or consent. Google, in a statement to several news outlets, did not confirm or deny whether they automatically distributed system 
whether or not the automatically distributed system was installed without users' consent, while noting that COVID-19 exposure notifications are enabled only if a user proactively turns it on. It says, quote, we have been working with the Massachusetts Department of Public Health to allow users to activate the exposure notification system directly from their Android phone settings, unquote, the tech giant said in a statement. Quote, this functionality is built into the device settings and is automatically distributed by the Google Play Store. So users don't have to download or separate uh, download a separate app. COVID-19 exposure notifications are enabled only if a user proactively turns it on. I'm sure users to users decide whether to enable this functionality and whether to share information through the system to help warn others of possible exposure, unquote. It just kind of reminds me of the ongoing uh, shenanigans of tech giants. Apple is not off the hook either, by the way. Apple has been known to do similar things. So it doesn't surprise me to see this. But also, I don't know if you caught that story about the Android uh, sidewalk thing with your with your your uh, internet enabled uh, not Android. Uh, forgive Amazon. me, Amazon. Thank you, Amazon devices. You know your Echo Dot devices in your house. Well, those are now going to be sharing and co- uh, collaborating with other uh, internet enabled Amazon devices across Ring across your network. Yeah, they own the Ring devices. Those are the cameras on your door. Well, all of those are designed to have a private radio network to coordinate with each other to track. Uh, things that are said to track images that are recorded and oh and by the way according to the terms of service they're going to allow police departments and their subcontractors to access that too so no worries nothing to see here it's just big tech doing big tech things let me switch to this while we have a few more minutes so uh overnight diane matania has uh translated a document out of the vatican into english you might recall what's it been a month maybe a month and a half, two months, when the St. Peter's Basilica had a, had a new policy in Rome. And they were going to stop allowing private masses being said. And so there was a big concern over the traditional form of the mass, not being able to be uh, have the traditional form of the mass said in the side chapels of St. Peter's, uh, on the uh, sort of, uh, I guess the way I would ex- describe it is on the main floor, right? So, so the main sanctuary space. There's a, a crypt beneath, and the place is massive, by the way. So oh, we, we, we talked about that. We, we, I think we talked about it two or three times within the week that we got that news. Well, here's a, uh, here's a document sort of trying to explain things a little further on, the, on that story from Cardinal uh, Gambetti. He is the Archpriest of the Basilica of St. Peter. And this document has now been published in, in English. It's posted up on Diane Montaigne's Twitter feed. But let me read just a, a small portion of it for you. And this is uh, Cardinal Gambetti saying this. He says, quote, For celebrations with the 1962 Missal, Everything possible must be done to fulfill the wishes of the faithful and priests as stipulated in the motto proprio sumorum pontificum. Furthermore, without detracting in any way from the legitimacy of the celebration of Mass, individual priests also, when the faithful cannot participate, it is necessary to recognize the decisive character of the rule that prohibits celebrating individually 
when a con celebration is taking place in the same church or oratory. And to be honest with you, that is the crux of the matter right there. He goes on to say, For this reason, I have already given instructions to ensure that requests to celebrating during the 7 to 9 a.m. period by groups with special and legitimate needs will be granted as far as possible. Requests for individual celebrations can also be discerned on a case-by-case basis without prejudice to the principle that everything should take place in an atmosphere of recollection and decorum and taking care to ensure that what is exceptional does not become ordinary, distorting the intentions and meaning of the magisterium. Now, uh, we can link to this, but again, you can find this on Diana Montaigne's Twitter feed. But here's the deal. They're trying to promote concelebration. They want priests to all concelebrate the same mass, essentially. The problem with the traditional form of the mass is there's only one mass in which a traditional pre, a priest celebrating that form of the mass will concelebrate, and that's at ordination. Beyond that, they, it's, a, it's an individual. It's a one priest at the high altar, and then there's deacons and subdeacons and those kinds of things, but not a concelebration. Con, con I'll get there eventually. So that's at the heart of the issue is they're trying to they're trying to uh, have an atmosphere in which these priests are all concelebrating together. But they are going to be making exceptions, it seems. As of right now, last time we reported on this, the traditional form of the mass was being said in a in a uh, chapel in the crypt near St. Peter's um, bones, right? His uh, his uh, uh, crypt down there. So. I don't know where this goes from here. I'm not sure what this actually means. Does it mean this is a good thing? It's a bad thing? I don't know that it means anything one way or the other, other than they're trying to give greater explanation. I think by reading this document, it seems that Cardinal Gambetti is trying to say, we really, 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 really want all priests to concelebrate. And that still remains an issue with uh, priests who are celebrating in the church form of the Mass. Um, I don't know if you have a, a parting comment there, Adrian. Uh, no, that's all right. We're, we're had, heading to break in uh, about... 30 seconds. We're going to be talking to Ray. Um, but yeah, yeah I'll let you go take us a break. All right. Praise be to God. That's going to do it for What's Concerning Us. After the short break, we'll have a news update with Janelle. And then, of course, Ray Grijalba from Eucharistic Miracles Movie will be on with us to talk about some of those miracles that they're going to be featuring in this film. Why those? What's the evidence? All that coming up next. Don't go anywhere. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard people say that Christianity is barbaric, that it arose in ignorance? Well, G.K. Chesterton says that as a matter of historical fact, it didn't. It arose in the most civilized period the world has ever seen. It arose precisely at the intersection of three great civilizations, Athens, Rome, and Jerusalem. It combined the philosophy of the first two with the faith of the third. So what's the real reason the opponents of Christianity do not believe it? It's not because it's barbaric and ignorant. It's not even because it's civilized and sophisticated. It's because, as Chesterton says, opponents of Christianity would believe anything except Christianity. Want more than a minute? Visit us at Chesterton.org. 
Hi, Joe McClain here, host of the Catholic Drive Time, heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of the Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations. Real Estate for Life offers their clients a faith-based experience. Real Estate for Life is online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time. I'm Janelle Lay, and here are your headline news. Missouri Police Chief resigns over new Second Amendment bill. From the Epic Times, COVID-19 vaccine linked to another rare blood disease in an Israeli study. Israeli researchers on Monday said that they discovered a link between Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine and a rare blood disease called thrombotic thrombocytopenic purpura, or TTP. Scientists with the Institute of Hematology at Shamir Medical Center said that they began researching the possible link after reports of a sudden increase in TTP across Israel. The team said they discovered a chronological connection between when the Pfizer shot was administered to the patient and the onset of symptoms of the blood disease. They said that four cases were detected. Physicians and patients need to be alert to the clinical symptoms, weakness, fatigue, neurological disorders, hemorrhage, and chest pain. A spokesperson from the facility told the paper that the study is very small and should not deter individuals from getting the COVID-19 vaccine. And they added that Israelis who hadn't received the vaccine should get inoculated. By the Hill, Pentagon chief backs change to military sex assault prosecution. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin said Tuesday he will support removing decisions on prosecuting sexual assault cases from military commanders, backing a change long sought by advocates. In a statement, Austin said that the Pentagon will work with Congress to amend the Uniform Code of Military Justice, removing the prosecution of sexual assaults and related crimes from the military chain of command, letting independent military lawyers handle them instead. This marks the first time Austin said he will support such a move and comes after he received the final recommendations and complete report of the Independent Review Commission on Sexual Assault and Sexual Harassment. He said the Pentagon will work with Congress to implement the recommendations as it provides us real opportunities to finally end the scourge of sexual assault and sexual harassment in the military. Also from The Hill, New York Times tests find no identifiable tuna DNA in Subway's tuna sandwich. A New York Times analysis found no identifiable tuna DNA in Subway's tuna sandwich. The newspaper reported over the weekend citing tests conducted by a commercial lab. The Times bought 60 inches of Subway tuna sandwiches from three different Subway locations in Los Angeles. A reporter for the newspaper then removed and froze the tuna and sent it to an unidentified commercial food testing lab. The newspaper said it paid roughly $500 for the lab to conduct a PCR test to see if the substance had one of five different tuna species. After a month, the lab said it found no amplifiable tuna DNA was present in the sample, and so we obtained no amplification products from the DNA. Therefore, we cannot identify the species, the lab said. Elaborating on the results, a spokesperson for the Times said that there were two different conclusions. One, it's so heavily processed that whatever we could pull out, we couldn't make an identification, the spokesperson said. Or we got some and there was just nothing there that's tuna. The Times noted that the Food and Drug Administration identifies 15 species of nomadic saltwater fish that could be labeled tuna. 
The test comes as Subway faces a class action lawsuit, alleging that its tuna sandwich is not actually made of tuna. The suit was first filed in a California federal court in January. Inside Edition did its own test of the tuna sandwich in February, in which it had a Florida-based lab test sandwiches from three Subway locations in New York. That test confirmed that tuna was in the sandwiches. Subway maintained in an email to the Times that it delivers 100% cooked tuna to its restaurants, which is mixed with mayonnaise and used in freshly made sandwiches, wraps, and salads that are served to and enjoyed by our guests. And those are your headline news for this morning. God love you and have a good Wednesday. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Janelle, for keeping us up to date. I also want to thank realestateforlife.org for generously sponsoring our program today, making it possible for us to get up at 3 a.m. and bring you the latest information and intelligent conversation. So thank you, realestateforlife.org, for your support of our program. Ray Grijalba joins us again. He is with Eucharistic Miracles and the Joy of the Faith uh, YouTube channel as well. And uh, it's good to see you again, Ray. Good morning to you. Yeah, good to see you too, Joe. It's uh, such a pleasure to be on. Praise be to God. Uh, the, we haven't had you on in a while, and we wanted to catch up. What is the latest on this movie project? This mon- it's kind of, It feels monumental, at least looking from the outside in, and I, I'm sure it feels that way on the inside too. Yeah, you know, it's, it's amazing. When we last spoke, we were doing our crowdfunding efforts and whatnot and saying, this is what we're going to do, right? So we said we interview these doctors um, and theologians, so... We just uh, two weeks ago finished up interviewing Dr. Scott Hahn. So that was great. Father Donald Calloway has been interviewed. Um, many other theologians, Bishop Strickland of Tyler, Texas. So it's amazing. To, oh, and Cardinal Lorenzi. Nice. Uh, so <laughs> How uh, wonderful. Just a, a little name there. So yeah, that was really, I mean, that was such a, a treat to interview a cardinal and uh, one that was so close to St. John Paul. So um, everyone is in for uh, an amazing like I'll just say, it. he only we only took one take for him because he was so <laughs> eloquent, and the Holy Spirit was guiding him so much. A lot of these things take several takes, and we're trying to get sure. different angles. But yeah, he was just amazing. So um, from the from the theological side, we've done that. Uh, we also went to Italy, Mexico, and drum roll, instead of Buenos Aires, we went to Poland. Oh wow. I know. So, and the reason we did that, it was, a, it was a challenging decision, but, um, COVID played a role in that due to like traveling and all that. Sure. But, uh, like Poland is much closer to Italy than Argentina is. You yeah. Know? Yeah. But, yeah. Um, the other thing was Poland has the newest approved Eucharistic miracle. And, wow. uh, this one happened on Christmas day, 2013. No kidding. That's the, the core of what I want to talk to you about today, too. Um, 69% of professed Catholics these days, according to Pew Research a few years ago, said they do not believe in what they're Either they don't believe or they don't know what the church teaches. And either way, they're holding it as symboli- uh, symbol- symbolical only. I'll get there today. Symbolical only. And this movie is really an answer to that in many ways, is it not? You know, it is. And... Um... <laughs> It's been it's been amazing because um, what we're doing in this movie is we're using Eucharistic miracles to as a vehicle for teaching of the true presence and what Jesus actually meant and what you know that small or that large percent of Catholics do not believe, um, which we hope that they will believe through this movie. Because yeah. oh man, it's it's going to be great. So we're gonna well we're actually gearing up for soon. Um, so if you want to support us, that would be awesome. I uh, go to eucharisticmiraclesmovie.com uh, and you can support there. But 
we're, we're looking to film the live action scenes. Mm. And one that I'm really, really excited about is John six, because um, many people have heard it before. It's where, you know, Jesus says, you know, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. And the Jews say, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? How can he come down from heaven? And people actually leave Jesus. So it's probably one of the best Eucharistic uh, Bible verses. And we're going to actually act it out. So you will see the people leaving. And uh, I asked Dr. Han, I said, have you ever seen John 6 well done? And he said, no. Uh, Same thing with the road to Emmaus. Have you ever seen that well done? No. And uh, other other verses, one that's particularly... uh, Apropos of these times is First Corinthians eleven twenty seven. Sure, you know, sure. Now, whether to receive the body of Christ or not. Amen. Now it's just it's just us right here, so it's a pretty private conversation. Who's going to play Jesus in your live action films? Just us. Uh, you can tell me. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. Just us. Exactly. Just me we reached out to Jonathan. Uh, was wasn't able to get that to work out. Jonathan Ruby. I wondered church. if that was on your agenda. Yeah. So we definitely reached out to him. Um, so this uh, great new actor, Rob Renzi. Oh, and, wow. Uh, he is out in Los Angeles and a good friend of Angela, the director. Um, we just got photos mm-hmm. of how he's going to look for the scourging, which will be based off of the Shroud of Turin, the, the scourge marks from the Shroud of Turin. Amazing. It is breathtaking. When you guys see it, oh, man. So I'll see if I can, if I can send it to you guys. Uh, I'll, I'll get with Angela and see if we're, we're able to do that. But I mean, man, it's just, it's cool to have an idea. You know, yeah. And raise money for that idea, but to see it in action, right? I showed my my family last night. I'm at, I'm at my family's house right now, or my parents, and um, they were like, "That looks just like <laughs> the images of the scourging that you see, and you know, like the prayer cards." It must feel also very cool to have this idea to crowd uh, raise the money to pr- bring this idea to to into production, but also to work and collaborate with real professionals, people who are great at what they do uh, yes. in order to produce a product that will not only inspire or educate, but also is just beautifully made. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's been phenomenal. The, the funny thing is, is I have, so I'm like the main actor in the movie. So I haven't seen like any of the footage, which is really kind of funny because uh, uh, we're, we're, we're going to be trying to release like a little, uh, promo of what we've done so far and be like, this is where we're at. This is where we're going, you know? Um, so I'm really excited to see that, but just in a couple of the clips that we've seen that they were like, wait, this is an amazing shot. You got to see this. I'm like, wow. No kidding. Like, Holy cow. That's so awesome. these guys uh, are just top level and uh, it's such a blessing to, to be in that atmosphere. But one thing I want to touch on real quick is, uh, or not real quick, if you want me to elaborate. We have, we have one minute to break. Okay. All right. I'll wait till after the break, but needless to say, Angelo, you know, uh, Oscar award winner, just amazing. Uh, we interviewed him. He, he, you know, what was funny about interviewing him was we were like three quarters of the way into the interview. And then he reveals that his godfather was uh, St. Padre Pio's uh, personal attendant. And I'm like, what? You wait till now to bring this up? I mean, that should have been the whole interview right there. I know. Uh, I know. So it was and, pretty mind blowing. And as a little teaser, we also interviewed Carlo Acutis's mom. That's cool. All right. We're going to go to a break. We're going to come right back. Ray Grijalva is our guest. The Eucharistic Miracles, uh, the film, is what we're talking about. But on the other side of the break, we're going to play the trailer, I think. But we're also, I want to know about the miracles that are being displayed in the film. Why those? Why not others? What's the evidence? We're going to have that conversation with Ray Grijalva coming up right after this break. Don't go anywhere. Captain Drive Time is headed your way. 
This is a Messy Family Minute from Mike and Alicia Hernan. When we see how crazy this world is, we can be tempted to isolate our family on a desert island and leave it all behind. Well, that's not really practical. But one thing you can do is take your family away on your very own family retreat. The goal of this retreat is for growth in your family identity and relationships and to give you time to intentionally pray together as a family unit. The four parts of the family retreat are family bonding activities, prayer, teaching, and fun. We've learned that if you're going to pray with your children, you also need to play with them. When parents develop these four aspects of their weekend away with their kids, the results are amazing. Devoting time to your family has a lasting impact on your kids, especially if you make it a tradition every year. To enable more families to do a family retreat, we have put together a short guide to help lead moms and dads through their own retreat planning process. To access this free download, visit us at MessyFamilyMinute.org. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. This is my body. For centuries, Christians have debated what Jesus meant. Was he speaking symbolically? Did the bread become his body? Does it even matter? This is the most important debate in Christianity as the answer changes everything. Christ has given us a series of Eucharistic miracles where the bread has transformed into his flesh to show this truly is the body of Christ. These miracles have been studied by medical doctors from around the world with cutting edge technologies. But unfortunately, most Christians don't even know that they exist. To share this truth, we are making the first ever Eucharistic Miracle movie by a member of an Oscar award-winning team. Using the best in 3D animation and visual effects, we're gonna make a movie that's so impressive that you could share it with anyone. I'm the director and the DP for this movie. I have 35 feature films on my belt. I've been playing almost every role in this filmmaking from concept, storyboard, producing, writing, animation to D3D, special effect. We will go into the theology of transubstantiation and Jesus' Eucharistic command with the best theologians in the Catholic world. We will also consult doctors, including those who have personally analyzed these miracles. These doctors will address questions that both non-believers and believers have difficulty understanding. A misconception that our culture has is that science and faith contradict. In this movie, we're gonna consult physicists and other doctors in various specialties to show that science affirms the truths of our faith. This movie is exactly what the world needs right now. We want to make a movie that shows the truth in a way that compels anyone to ask, could this really be Jesus? Whether it's your fallen away son, your evangelical sister, or your atheist or agnostic neighbor. We live in a world that's starving for quality, holy content, and we can't do this halfway. To make this a professional production, we're going to bring in animators who've worked at Disney and Lucasfilms. Can you help us make this a reality? because we will need your help. For example, just eight minutes of animation will cost over $30,000. Praise be to God. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. That was just a taste 
of the uh, of the the trailer for the film, which uh, is amazing, just to see the trailer actually gets you excited about the film itself. Which, by the way, you can find uh, the trailer, more information, and even support the cause at ChristianChannel.com forward slash Eucharistic hyphen Miracles. Um, good morning, and good, welcome back to the program, Ray Gorholba. Yeah, thanks, Joe. And then just one one quick thing: the best website would be EucharisticMiraclesMovie.com. Okay, there it has all of the updates. Oh, um, cool. Like every single person that we've interviewed and pictures and stuff like that. So perfect. Uh, it's probably the best one for you to see the whole thing together. And then once the movie comes out, um, we are going to uh, hopefully have show times and all that for the theaters as to where the um, you know movie is going to be at. Amen. Praise be to God. EucharisticMiracleMovie.com, right? You said? Uh, Eucharistic Miracles movie. Eucharistic Miracles movie. Praise be to God. All right. Uh, I want to dive into uh, the miracles that you're displaying in the film that you're going to uh, use as uh, sort of the springboard to have the conversation and why them. And it seems to me, based on what I've heard you say here and other places, that you're using mostly modern miracles. Like you went to Poland for the mo- one of the most recent miracles. Uh, miracles have been happening over the sen- many centuries now. Uh, why these and not the older ones? Yeah, so we're, we're actually going to, we do cover two of the more modern ones. Um, and the reason that we're doing those is that the doctors are still alive. So um, Got it. we're able to interview two of the doctors that personally analyzed the miracles in Poland. So like firsthand testimony, um, you know, you actually see their names on the medical reports that the Vatican has possession of now. Wow. Know? That was really humbling. And to hear the things they said, because I'd, I'd read what the discoveries were and stuff like that. But when they said things that I had never heard from reading that, I was like, some of the things that you're going to see are going to be unbelievable and here. Um, <clears throat> and then in Poland, also, the doctor that was a part of the commission, we were able to interview her. So unfortunately, with Buenos Aires, uh, all but one of the doctors are dead. So um, oh, wow. we weren't able to interview them. Uh, and I, we tried to get in touch with the other one, but w- we're not able to. And then um, in Lanciano, that happened in the 8th century, you know, of course, they're, they're no longer living. <laughs> they're pretty much uh, dead, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah that would be pretty incredible. <laughs> although, although, from what I understand, the uh, the the victim of the miracle is still alive. <laughs> right? Well, well, well played, Ray. Well played. Well played. Yes, Christ, yes. Christ well, Jesus. You know, yeah. um, it's really amazing. So uh, I'm going to share this. This may be like super deep, but something we would love to do one day uh, is there's a there's a modern test that you can get like a, a not a not a DNA profile, but something very similar uh, from a sample. So uh, one of the doctors we interviewed said it would be amazing if you could get a sample from each of these miracles mm-hmm. and then test it the same way. And if yes. it's the same profile, that's the same person. Isn't that something? That would be like that the would be amazing. Proof. Now, yeah, from what years. I understand of Eucharistic miracles, it always tends to be uh, when it be, when it gets to the tissue phase uh, in the miracle, uh, it always tends to be tissue of the inner wall of the heart, and it's mm. always the same blood type. Exactly. So that's one of the amazing things uh, we're going to go into. So Lanciano was the first one that discovered the heart tissue, and uh, so that was the first one that we we went on in our journey, and uh, it was really amazing. We met with Dr. Franco Serafini. And uh, he's an Italian doctor that's written probably the best book on Eucharistic miracles, covering it from a medical perspective. And uh, it's it's an incredible book. It's coming out in English in November. Uh, so, you know, definitely stay tuned for that. But 
uh, we met with him there and obviously we were in Lanchano and we were able to speak with uh, the, the brother there that, you know, is, is over the, the church. And so that was really amazing. So we picked that one because it's the favorite of the Eucharistic miracles, um, the most well-known for sure of Eucharistic miracles. And we addressed some of the, uh, some of the, I guess, challenges people would have to it. Um, but it's, it's really amazing. So what we're, what we're going for in the movie is to address everyone where they're at. Like, so we're trying to raise any skeptics challenges and address them within the movie, you know? So by the time you leave, if you have a question, it's answered. Um, and it may, mm. it's probably not as expansive as everyone would want, you know, cause you can't answer every question yeah. in you know, a two hour movie. Well, you could do uh, a trilogy, I suppose. It's all <laughs> oh. the rage these days in movies. <laughs> yeah, that would be amazing. We, so we're actually, um, going to have the full length interviews on uh, like streams so that people can watch it. And at, like, that was one of the coolest parts for me was to hear from the doctors themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, we even brought in one pathologist, pathologist or doctors who study tissues who um, didn't, uh, was it like, didn't personally analyze it, um, but he was reading the findings and like challenging them, you know, um, to kind of play devil's advocate. And then you would hear him say, oh, well, what about this? And then you'd be like, well, no, not in this case. Like, it was amazing to see that this isn't just something that Catholics made up. You right. Know, yeah. A board certified American pathologist and read this stuff and was like, what? Could it be this? No, it couldn't be this. And so that was just a really amazing uh, blessing to, to be a part of that. And, uh, you know, of course, to meet with all the doctors. So I mentioned before, Joe, that we met with Carlo Acutis's mom. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Carlo Acutis and St. Padre Pio have been all over this movie interceding. Um, just, just, I'll just share one thing that we had, I think it was um, seven speakers that we needed to interview on our international trip. And every single one of them said, yes, they could, you know, interview and also yes to the date, which we provided for the interview. Wow. We that, were like, that worked out pretty that? well. Yeah, exactly. But Carlo's mom was an incredible blessing because uh, we, Angelo is from Italy. So he tried his best to get a contact, wasn't able to, had basically given up. And then one of his friends who doesn't believe the faith anymore, uh, reached out and said, Hey, my Franciscan family member said they're, you know, good friends with Carlo's mom and they would love to get you in touch. Wow. That's <laughs> funny. That's, That's pretty, pretty casual. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Ray, we have about two, three minutes left in our conversation uh, and then we have to take to take off for the uh, for the hour. But before we go, I had just had a question because I was posting about the Eucharistic Miracles film on Facebook, and I was making the joke. I was like, "Checkmate, atheist! Uh, explain this." And uh, a lot of my friends who are Catholic and believe in the miracles were like, "Hey, you know, we shouldn't really bring up the Eucharistic Miracles to people who are atheists because you know it's it's not required for people to believe, and it's uh, there's not great evidence for it." Uh, how would you respond to to people like? that and uh and how is this film going to respond to that i would say uh that's why we're making this movie <laughs> <laughs> so uh it's funny because um let's say l- look at the catholic church the catholic church has declared these are miracles has the catholic church declared that the shroud of Turin is a miracle no yet uh, i think there's incredible scientific evidence for that the church has declared that these are miracles and uh th- they don't do this willy-nilly so what we're, what we're going to do in this, and I would say I would say that there is some merit to that, that uh, we have done a really bad job properly documenting and sharing this with the world. 
Um, I think this is a great starting point to at least get people to think, hmm, could this be real? You know, because we don't believe in the Eucharist because of Eucharistic miracles. Right. But these are signs that God gives us to say, hey, I'm here. And hey, this is this is a uh, this is a great gift to you um, to to not prove that I am present in the Eucharist because all of these miracles, Dr. Franco Serafini says it best. All these miracles give us just enough evidence to get us curious, but nothing that's conclusive or maybe not nothing, but, but not enough to satisfy every skeptic, you know, mm. you know, it, the only thing that would truly satisfy every skeptic is like, first of all, like hundred percent film of all of it, but also that we had the DNA of Jesus Christ somehow, you know, and, they were able to take these Eucharistic miracles and get a perfect genetic profile that matched that. That would be the only way that you could satisfy every skeptic. You yeah. Know? So these Eucharistic miracles are not bulletproof because I don't think Jesus wants them to be bulletproof. He right. wants us to believe because he said. He doesn't want us yeah. to believe because of science, you know, uh, because that totally takes out a, a, a critical part of the faith. Wow. That music means we're out of time. Well, that was fast. Uh, Ray Grijalba. EucharisticMiraclesMovie.com That was the correct website? Yes. EucharisticMiraclesMovie.com Check it out. Get the latest. Support it if you can, but we're looking forward to it, Ray. Thank you for your time again today. We look forward to having you back. Maybe when the project's finished, who knows? Or maybe before, I don't know, but we're very grateful for your time today. God bless you and God love you and have a good day. Thank you. All right, that's going to do it for hour number one of Catholic Drive Time. If you can join us in the second hour, praise be to God. We have our Fear and Trembling Game Show coming up. Prizes are at stake, and you could win. The phone number and the rules are on our website at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Plus, in the after show next hour, we're going to talk with Secretary of State, or former Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, about China, Russia, and a lot more. That's coming up in the next hour. Join us if you can. God love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Bible clearly says that Jesus had brothers and sisters, but the Catholic Church teaches that Mary was a perpetual virgin. How can that be? Mark 6 verse 3 says, Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? Point number one to consider. There is no word for cousin or for nephew or for niece, aunt, uncle in ancient Hebrew or Aramaic. The words that the Jews used in all those instances were brother or sister. An example of this can be seen in Genesis 14, 14, where Lot, who was Abraham's nephew, is called his brother. Another point to consider, would the last thing that Jesus did on earth be to grievously offend his surviving brothers? Right before Jesus dies, John 19 tells us that Jesus entrusted the care of his mother to the apostle John. If Mary had any other sons, this would have been an incredible slap in the face to them that the apostle John was entrusted with the care of their mother. Also, we see from Matthew 27, 55, and 56 that the James and Joseph mentioned in Mark 6 as the brothers of Jesus are actually the sons of another Mary. 
And one other passage to consider. Acts 1 verses 14 to 15 speaks of a company of about 120 persons that consist of the apostles, the women, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Let's see. There were 11 apostles at the time. Jesus' mother makes 12. The women, probably the same three women mentioned at the crucifixion in Matthew 27, but let's say it was maybe a dozen or two, just for argument's sake. That puts us up to 30 or 40 or so. So that leaves the number of Jesus' brothers at about 80 or 90, according to this scripture passage. Do you think Mary had 80 or 90 children? She would have been in perpetual labor. No, scripture does not contradict the teaching of the Catholic Church about the brothers of Jesus when scripture is interpreted in proper context. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Glorianshine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Glorianshine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At Glorianshine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, Glorianshine.com. Thank you again. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Uh, we just wrapped up a conversation with Ray Grijalba over the Eucharistic Miracles movie. EucharisticMiraclesMovie.com is his website. Great conversation. Uh, looking forward to the release of his film. It really sounds exciting. It's going to be a, a well-done film. Uh, the people he has involved are professionals, and it's just going to be really good. So we're looking forward to that. We'll have him back as he gets closer to release so we can update you on that, and we'll also post that conversation on our YouTube and Facebook and feeds and everywhere else, which you can find linked up at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Coming up in this hour, we have breaking news and stories, but I think they're all good news in this hour. And then, of course, we have our uh, saint of the day, gospel of the day, a reflection, thanks to verboom.com forward slash grn for sponsoring our gospel reflection and then we'll play fear and trembling our catholic trivia game show it's a lot of fun you could also win some prizes if you want to call early you're welcome to do so and sit on hold the phone number is on our website uh, but i'll give it to you later as well grnonline.com forward slash cdt and then in the after show when we go off of the radio at half past the hour we are going to stay on the after show, which is the live video feed, which you can hang out right on our website, by the way. Uh, again, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. And you can watch the video live there. You can even comment live there if you wish. But former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo is going to be on with us in our after show. We're going to record the conversation with him, and then we'll play it during our first hour, either Tomorrow, Friday, or maybe next week. I don't know. We'll have to see. But if you want to be a part of that live experience, you can do so on our live video feed uh, during our after show. So we're going to ask uh, Secretary, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo about all kinds of things, like the growing tensions between us and China and Russia and Iran, the uh, lab leak theory going mainstream. What do we know? Uh, what don't we know? 
um, lots of things uh, that are going to be of pertinent questions for Mike Pompeo. So stick around for that. Good morning to you, Janelle. Good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. What's on the agenda today? What's on the agenda? In the news. In the news. Oh, we have um, lots of good news um, and, a partic- and very encouraging news as well. So look forward to that. Encouraging news. Encouraging Do you really news. think the world needs encouraging news, Janelle? Oh, definitely. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. What? <laughs> what makes you say that? Uh, cause, cause I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. <laughs> I, I don't have encouraging news when I read the news. I only mm. see the bad stuff. And boy, is it bad. But uh, it's going to be good to be encouraged a little bit, I suppose. Speaking of needing encouragement, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Darn. I thought you were going to say, and speaking of being encouraged... But no, it's okay. Yeah, That's okay. It's I, close. I meant it's that. Close. I meant that. Uh-huh. A, a couple words is a difference, but it's okay. Uh, no, it's good to be here anyways. That was my intent. It was that's exactly what I meant, mm-hmm. meant to, mm-hmm. to intend anyway. I didn't say it, but there you go. <laughs> well, praise be to God. It's good to be here. And I'm excited to uh, talk to uh, Mike Pompeo. I've never, never talked to him before, so this will be a first. It'll be a first. Praise be to God. We're looking forward to it. So that's the hour Dear listener, if you can join us for all of it, that'd be wonderful. If not, whatever you can, we'll be grateful. And by the way, if you're watching on a live video stream today, smash the share button. It really helps us out quite a bit. Subscribe, like, that really helps us out quite a bit. If you're new here, uh, comment also. But if you're listening on radio, do us a favor. Make sure you have the mobile app downloaded and installed on your smartphone, iOS and Android. Look for the Guadalupe Radio Network. It is a fantastic way to listen to your local Catholic radio station, stay connected, get podcasts and more. Just go to your app store, iOS and Android, look for the Guadalupe Radio Network and make sure that's installed. And then also share the Guadalupe Radio Network with your friends and your family. It would really help us out quite a bit. All right, so let's pray for your intentions and for the salvation of souls, conversion of sinners around the world. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. O most sacred heart of Jesus, pour down thy blessings abundantly upon thy church, upon the Supreme Pontiff, and upon all the clergy. Give perseverance to the just, convert sinners, enlighten unbelievers, bless our parents, friends, and benefactors. Help the dying, free the souls from purgatory, and extend over all hearts the sweet empire of thy love. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now the headlines with Janelle. Reported by Crooks, Cuban bishops hit back against resolution to endorse gender ideology. While the Vatican is embroiled in on its own battle against gender politics in Italy, the Cuban bishops are facing a similar dilemma and have issued a statement criticizing a resolution that would make so-called gender ideology part of school curricula. The bishops argue that the resolution is unscientific in that it denies basic biological differences between men and women, and also takes from parents the ability to educate their own children in the sex-sensitive matters of sexuality. The bishop's resistance to the resolution comes after their public opposition to equal marriage in the drafting of Cuba's new constitution in 2019. This reference was eventually removed by Cuban parliament. However, the issue is being taken up again in a new national family code, which is being drafted by a special commission and is expected to be presented to Cuba's national legislature. Quoting Pope Francis's 2016 exhortation on the family, Amores Letizia, the bishops said gender ideology denies the difference and reciprocity of nature of a man and woman and envisages a society without sexual differences, thereby eliminating the anthropological basis of the family. 
They also insisted that sex education ought to be done with the guidance of parents, as it was their responsibility, and they asked parents to fulfill their duty without waiting for others to replace them in what is their obligation. We believe that new generations should not be exposed to a conception of sexuality not validated by science, they said, noting that under the new resolution, many parent people involved in the educational process, including parents and teachers, would be subjected to ideologies that contradict their deepest convictions. It is up to all of us, but above all you parents, to promote and bear witness to the joy and beauty of marriage created and loved by God. They urged Catholics not to be discouraged when, at times, everything around us seems to go against the family institution. Let's not lose our strength when we have to swim against the current. Let us teach young married couples to work together and take care of their families, they said, asking that in Cuba, respect, mutual listening, and social friendship will always prevail over all forms of intolerance and violence. From the National Catholic Register, U.S. Eucharistic Revival to begin in 2022. We want to start a fire of devotion, says Bishop. The bishops of the U.S. discussed on Friday a program of Eucharistic revival that will aim to foster deeper devotion and knowledge about the Eucharist nationwide beginning next summer. Auxiliary Bishop Andrew Cozens of St. Paul in Minneapolis and chair of the Bishop's Evangelization Committee presented the plan to his fellow bishops during their virtual spring meeting on June 18th. He told CNA that the program aims to support and start a fire of devotion to the Eucharist with a particular focus on the local level, diocese, parishes, and families. Bishop Cozens said that the initiative will aim to launch a three-year period of revival nationwide, with a special focus on the local level bringing the focus of Eucharistic revival to any parish that desires it. The development of the plan was spurred by a 2019 Pew Research study, the results of which suggested that only about one-third of U.S. Catholics believe that the Church's teachings that the Eucharist is truly the body and blood of Christ. The three-year three Eucharistic revival program will include three tiers, parish, diocesan, and nationwide. Beginning in July 2022, dioceses around the country will be encouraged to hold Eucharistic events and make the Eucharist a primary focus. The bishops aim to provide free teaching materials on the Eucharist. The revival will culminate in summer 2024 with a Eucharistic celebration event held in a major city that will serve as a pilgrimage site. Bishop Cozen said the bishops are eyeing the Midwest as a location because of its accessibility, as well as some cities in the South. Final approval for such an event will come from the body of the U.S. bishops in November. Calling the plan a once-in-a-generation opportunity to impact faith life, Bishop Cozen said the plane aims to create Eucharistic missionaries, people who go out to spread devotion to the Eucharist to new places, what Pope Francis calls the margins. I want to have Eucharistic processions in every campus, and we have campus ministries that are ready to do that across the nation, he said. The plan for a Eucharistic revival comes soon after the U.S. bishops on Thursday debated drafting a teaching document on the Eucharist that would include a subsection on Eucharistic coherence or worthiness to receive communion. In a proposed outline of the document, the Bishop's Doctrine Committee cited the special need for Catholic public officials to uphold church teaching in public life, but stressed that they are not drafting any national policy of denying communion. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm Janelle Lay. God love you and have a good Wednesday. The saint of the day is St. Eltadreda. Uh, born in 636, she was the sister of St. German, relative of King Anna of East Anglia, and a princess. 
She was widowed after three years of marriage, and rumor had it that the marriage was never consummated, as Etheldria had taken a vow of perpetual virginity. She married again for political reasons. Her new husband knew of her vow, but grew tired of living as brother and sister, and began to make advances on her. She refused him. He tried to bribe the local bishop, St. Wilfred of York, to release her from her vow. Wilfred refused and instead helped Audrey escape to a promontory called, called Colbert's Head. A high tide then came in and stayed high for seven days. It kept her separated from her husband and was considered divine intervention. The young man gave up and the marriage was annulled and Audrey took the veil. She spent a year with her niece, St. Ebb the Elder, and founded the Great Abbey of Ely, where she lived an austere life. Ethelreda died of an enormous and unsightly tumor on her neck. She gratefully accepted this as divine retribution for all the necklaces she had worn in her early years. She died on the 23rd of June, 679, of natural causes, and her body was reinterred in 694 and found incorrupt. St. Ethelreda, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. Well said, Adrian, well said. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through 20. Jesus said to his disciples, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but underneath are ravenous wolves. By their fruits you will know them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Just so every good tree bears good fruit, and a rotten tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a rotten tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. So by their fruits you will know them. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the Navarre Commentary had a great statement here today on this passage. It says, Therefore, entry into the kingdom belonging to the church can be verified from what people do, not just from what they say. To be a good Christian, one needs to bear good fruit, to do the will of the Father, and to put Jesus' words into daily practice. St. Gregory the Great said, Also the hypocrite is restrained by peaceful times of holy church, and therefore appears clothed with godliness. But let any trial of faith ensue. Straight the wolf, ravenous at heart, strips himself of his sheepskin, and shows by persecuting how great his rage against the good. Unquote. St. Gregory the Great. When times are difficult... Boy, things come out of the darkness into the light, do they not? Adrian, what did you find? Yes, uh, here's, a, here's a great quote from Cornelius Lapide. And tell me, does this sound familiar to you? Does this seem to apply to today maybe? I'm not, I'm not saying it does. I'm just saying that it might. Uh, now the sheep's clothing which these wolves put on are to veil their errors and heresies, first under the plea of liberty of conscience, by quoting texts of Scripture that, ser- that serve to favor these heresies, the pretext of reforming the morals of the church, especially those of the clergy and ecclesiastics, by the simulation of meekness, simplicity, and piety, by soft speeches and garrulous eloquence, 
by which they cover their wolfish ferocity. Hmm. I wonder, this sounds very familiar. This sounds like something that may have happened now and other times. Uh, he goes on to talk about, so what are these fruits that our Lord talks about? He keeps talking about the fruits that are, uh, that will be, that we can judge them by their fruits. What is, what is that fruit? So Cornelius Lapide says, as grapes are not wont to be produced by or gathered off thorns nor fig off thistles, so in like matter, no good or sweet fruit can be collected from heresy or heretics, but only harsh and thorny fruit. And he said, these fruits are of two kinds. There's two kinds of bad fruit that you will see from heretics. One is false doctrine. That's obvious. False doctrine is the number one. Number two of bad morals and wickedness. What are the key examples that Cornelius Lapide gives here? Luther and Calvin. Because Luther teaches that vows are not binding on the religious, that he, that they does not, that man does not possess free will, and that we are saved by faith alone, and that Calvin teaches that God is the author of evil. He goes on to talk about this, and this is very, very important. We can know that the people and who, like for instance, Luther, who was a Catholic monk, he can be judged by the fact of his immorality and then the heresies that he preaches. That's very important. Praise be to God. All right, we're going to break. We're going to come back and play the game. The time to play and possibly win is upon us. All you need to do is be the first caller at 877-757-9424. Phone lines are open, ready for your call. Anna is waiting to take your call at 877-757-9424. Call right now. You could be the contestant to play our game, Fear and Trembling, three uh, Three questions, but uh, it's pretty easy today, I would say. And three opportunities to get in on the the prize for this week. The phone line is 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. It's 877-757-9424. If you've never played, this is your chance. Easy to get into the prize at 877-757-9424. Or if it's been a while, a month or so, Call now, 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. Can we be happy without God? Atheists say yes, we Christians say yes, but only to a certain extent. What's our reason? There are some natural human desires that can be satisfied without living for God. The desire for sensory pleasure, success, and loving relationships. There are certain desires, however, that can't be satisfied without God. For example, we don't just desire some love, we desire infinite love, love without limit. This is manifest when we get frustrated with imperfect manifestations of it. The same is true for knowledge, justice, and beauty. Since God alone is infinite in these perfections, only He can satisfy our desires for them. Therefore, to borrow from St. Augustine, without God, our hearts would be forever restless. And my friends, a restless heart is an unhappy heart. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers. Catholic.com day when each of us will be asked to review the movie of our life and give an account to God. We will sorrowfully relive the bad times and joyfully revisit the good. Thankfully, no matter what you've done, there is hope. Since Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save it. So if you've been away from church for a while, we invite you to come home and find the peace that only comes from God. Visit CatholicsComeHome.org. Welcome to another round of Fear 
and trembling, <laughs> the Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now, your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time in Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show, where we have a secret and hidden agenda. So please do us a favor and do not share this information that I'm about to share with you with anyone. Just keep it between us, okay? So here's the deal. We like to do a few things on on uh, the game show, on Fear and Trembling. Uh, one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments. You know, you always learn something you didn't know before, and praise be to God. That's always good, right? And then, of course, we like to have a laugh and fun while we're doing that, and our contestants tend to be a good time laughing right along with us, and that's fun. And then, of course, we like to give out prizes, which kind of makes it a winner for everybody involved. And here's the kicker. We don't ask the caller the questions. So they don't really even need to know the answers to these questions in order to still win the game, which is fun, right? Because I asked Janelle and I asked Adrian, one of them will be right, the other will be wrong. And the caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Who do they trust more, Janelle or Adrian? And then every right answer goes into the coffee cup of Divine Providence to win this week's prize. What can they win, Janelle? They can win a six-month subscription to the Wonderlist Catholic. Each month, subscribers will receive a hand-lettered and illustrated letter detailing the beauty and wonder of a piece of Catholicism. Explore churches, apparition sites, saints' homes, pilgrimage sites, local traditions, and more. Children and adults will alike watch the mailbox in anticipation, awaiting a new tale. All right. Praise be to God. Thank you very much, Annunciation Designs, uh, AnnunciationDesigns.com, for generously sponsoring this week's prize for our listeners. We're very grateful to you. Let's go to the phones. If you tried to call in today and don't make it onto the game show, tomorrow is a new opportunity. Call in early. That's perfectly legitimate. You can find the phone number and the rules listed on our website, GRN online.com forward slash cdt let's go to the phones uh let's see here uh christina good morning to you praise be to god thanks for calling in good morning praise be to jesus where are you calling from wiley texas wiley texas that's like a major city in america what was that outside dallas I'm teasing. Oh, it's east of plano wow that's pretty far out uh, i'm teasing of course where, where do you go to church christina St. Anthony's. Hey now, St. Anthony of Padua. Help me find that thing that I lost. Uh, have you been listening to the game for long? Do you know the rules? Yes, I do know the rules. Oh, I'm good. A, I love this game. Praise be to God. I'm so excited. Then you obviously know uh, Adrian and uh, Janelle, very tricky people, and they are going to throw yes. you some curveballs. you got to listen very carefully. I, however, am your best friend. I am on your side in this game. Your advocate to get you into that cup. Are you ready to play, Christina? Yes, I am. I don't know why Adrian's giving me that look. Don't look at me like that. It's true. All right, let's go to Janelle, (laughs) as is our custom. Janelle, are you ready? I'm ready. Are you sure? Yes, I am. Are you sure? Yes, sir. Janelle, can you tell me, or rather, can you name for me, the capital sin... That is an unreasonable appetite 
for food or drink? Ooh, an unreasonable appetite for food or drink. Yes. I am going to go, based on experience, with <laughs> gluttony. Oh, yeah. interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, guys. This, this is not a confessional. Just uh, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, your answer was one more time. Gluttony. Gluttony. Yes, sir. Okay. Okay. Let's see what... Uh, Adrian says, Adrian, can you tell me, or rather, can you name for me the capital sin that is an unreasonable appetite for food or drink? Let's see. Uh, I'm going to go with gourmandizing. (laughs) I'm sorry. I got allergies this morning. One more time. Gourmandizing. Gourmandizing? Si, senor. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. So, uh, Adrian is on the hook for gourmandizing, and uh, Janelle is on the hook for gluttony. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Christina, what say you? Mm. Mm. I think Janelle sounded more confident uh, in, her, in her answer. I'm going to go with Janelle. Survey says... Yes, of course. Psychoanalyzing the the players. I like that, Christina. Nice touch. Is that even a real word? Yeah, what is is. gourmandizing? Gourmandizing is a daughter sin of gluttony, which is the excess of eating uh, high class food or like uh, very fancy food. Like caviar or something like that? Yeah, so people who excessively eat good food or people who, uh, that Uh would be gourmandizing. Like, you know, sausage. Gourmandizing. Steak. (laughs) Like gourmet. Like it's very gourmet. Gourmet Gourmandizing. Yeah. I think he made that up. Personally. No, it's a real word. Yeah. Christina, do you think he made that up? I think he made that up. I, I think he made it up. Too. Boy, but it sounds like it really is true. <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot of people like that. <laughs> well, you're in the cup, Christina. Congratulations. You are you are one chance to uh, win this week's prize. Praise be to God. Let's see if we can double your chances now with the second entry. Let's go to Adrian. Oh, Adrian. Scary. What? Capital sin, still on the capital sins. What capital sin is being committed when one abuses narcotics? Hmm. Well, you know, Janelle was right last time, so I'm going to go with gluttony this time. Gluttony? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Not gourmandizing? No. no. Gluttony. Okay. Yeah, I, I defined <laughs> that word already, so, so no. You're not going to give that one away twice. No. <laughs> okay. Uh, Janelle. Okay. Can you tell me which capital sin is being committed when one abuses narcotics? Hmm, substance abuse. Okay, not based on experience. I'm going to go. <laughs> and the confession I'm continues. Gonna, <laughs> I'm going to go with sloth. 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 Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You didn't slothmandizing? It's not an option? No? Okay. <laughs> I, don't th- I don't know. I don't think that's a word. Not a word. Not a word. Okay. So uh, Janelle is on the hook for sloth, and Adrian is on the hook for gluttony. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Christina, what say you? Oh, my goodness. Um, ooh. Whew. I'm going to go with sloth. What's it now? Survey. I'm so sorry. Oh, no. That was all Joe. Joe put the same you? answer twice. You said you were her advocate, I know. Mr. Joe. Oh. I take no blame for this. <laughs> 
denial, <laughs> denial will be on the next question, I'm sure. Denial, oh, Adrian. Denial. That's, that's a river in Egypt, no? <laughs> so the correct answer is, in fact, gluttony. It was, but Adrian, I think he tried to tell you Janelle was right last time, I think was the key word there. But uh, gluttony, in fact, mm. is also being uh, committed when one abuses narcotics. All right. Don't fret. You're in the cup. You could still win. But let's, again, try to double your your opportunity here. Last question. Let's go back to Janelle. This Okay. Super easy question, Christina. Okay. Mm, I don't know. This one, I have you in mind. This th- easy. Here we go. Or so says. <laughs> uh, Janelle, can you tell me, may a layperson administer extreme unction? Extreme unction? What is that? Is that... Um, anointing of the sick? Yes. Like okay. someone's about to die. They're going mm-hmm. to a serious surgery. They, they maybe receive the sacrament that will prepare them in case they die. Okay. I, in terms of a layperson being able to administer that sacrament. Have you received, I mean, since we're doing a confessional, have you received experience? <laughs> um, Do you have experience of this? Uh, no. Well, okay. I don't know. Well, no right. comments, we're but I'm going to say, I'm going to say Yes. A layperson is able to administer extreme unction. Really? Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. Okay. Uh, Adrian, uh, can you tell me, may a layperson administer extreme unction? I'm going to say no there. Mm-hmm. No. Nope. No. Nope. Well, if not, Nada. then who? Uh, a priest. Only, Only a priest. priest. Only priest. Well, a bishop as well. Because they're priests, right? Yeah. Yeah. But... Not permanent deacons, you would say? No, I'd say only priests. Okay, so Adrian is on the hook for no, only priests can administer extreme unction. And Janelle is on the hook for, of course, lay people can do it. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Christina, what say you? Adrian. Survey says... So much faith. So much faith there. Congratulations. (laughs) Good job, Christina. You're in the cup twice. Praise be to God. I'm so sorry Adrian tried to fool you in that second question. Uh, I, I tried no to avoid that for you. But you're in twice. You could still win. If it's God's will, he'll pull your name out of that cup on Friday. And uh, we would be giving God uh, you know, praise for that. But we're going to put you on hold so we can get your phone number. But thank you and have a great day, Christina. Thank you. Thank you. Praise be to God. God bless you. God love you. That is going to do it for the radio side of our program. If you can join us in the after show, we would surely love you. Former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo is going to be our guest in the after show. We're going to record the conversation. We'll play it in uh, the first hour of our program sometime, either tomorrow, Friday, or next week. But if you want to listen live, you got to join us on the live video stream, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, or right on our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. God love you and God bless you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you.
Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Welcome to the after show of Catholic Drive Time. Praise be to God. Uh, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo is, uh, is being processed right now. He's going to be on air with us here in a moment. And we're going to have a conversation with him about several things. So uh, the normal after show is not going to function the way it normally would. Uh, but we have this very special guest. So let's go to that right now. Good morning to you, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. Thank you for your time today. It's great to be with you. Thanks for your time. Yeah, praise be to God. Uh, There's so many things to discuss uh, with someone uh, of your caliber and your level. We're very grateful that you're on with us today. Let's start with uh, the rising tensions with China and with Russia. It seems to me that uh, things are elevating in these days. Do you see that? I know you've seen things at a level most human beings will never see at. Uh, Secretary of State, former, uh, you led the CIA, you're an Army officer, West Point. You've got a lot of uh, great background there. How do you see the geopolitics and the world stage from an American perspective? Well, your point is well taken. However, I think we need to separate out the threat that is presented to average everyday Americans from Russia and from China. Uh, we, we defeated the Soviet Union. The, the Russian economy is not that big. They still have a thousand nuclear warheads. And Vladimir Putin is someone who is prepared to engage in bad conduct. We saw it with uh, what, what they've done in Ukraine. We've seen it, what they've done to the six million people who had to flee in Syria, denying them their basic human dignities. We've watched from Russian soil attack on a, on a colonial pipeline. Preventing us from moving gas up and down our east coast. So, uh, make no mistake, Vladimir Putin needs to be dealt with. We need to confront him. We need to deter him. But the challenge of uh, our lifetimes is the Chinese Communist Party. The, the Chinese Communist Party presents the only threat to the United States of America from outside of the country that can truly change our way of life and has both the capability and the intent of doing so. And so, Yes, I, I, I wouldn't say tensions are rising because the Chinese Communist Party has been at war with the American worker for 20 plus years now. Uh, we need to confront them. We need to impose costs on them. We, we need to prevent them from spying on us here inside of the United States. We need to preserve the capacity for products to move around in the Pacific and Indian oceans. Those are things that are really important for everyone here in the United States, whether we live in an agricultural place like Kansas, where I'm from, or a more urban place like New York City, the Chinese Communist Party has the intention of making America look a lot more like their model, the authoritarian, tyrannical, absence of rights respecting model that they have, and we can't let that happen. So... With let's go back to Russia for a moment and the the ransom attacks on corporations that we're seeing now is becoming more and more commonplace. Are we as a govern? Are we as a people? Is our government doing anything to try to prevent this? To get to the bottom line? To prosecute? To hold people accountable? Uh, what is in fact going on behind the scenes? Oh yes, there's certainly there's there's lots of work. This is an incredibly challenging problem. It is really cheap, it really inexpensive to use cyber tools to attack others. Offense is easier to play than defense. But it's clearly the case. The United States government is doing an awful lot. So is the private sector. I've watched, I watched the financial industry. I watched the energy industry. All of these critical infrastructure industries are working really hard to protect their systems. But in the end, these are attacks from foreigners on sovereign soil in the United States. The responsibility to protect these systems, our infrastructure systems, 
our high threat systems to protect them, the responsibility of the United States government. So there are lots of things that are being done. What I regret that this administration hasn't followed through on that we did in the Trump administration is we began to build out a model that would impose real costs on those actors and those who support them. So it's not enough to go after the 10 criminal gangsters or the group of hackers that decides they want to do something that's malicious or maybe try and raise $100,000 or a million dollars in a ransom effort. And that, we, we must go after them. We must try to prosecute them when we can get them to American soil. All those things matter. But we've got to impose costs on those who enable them and permit them to operate from their soil. I'm, I'm told that this last attack on the colonial pipeline system was from Russia. We've seen Russian attacks before. But we've also seen attacks that came from China, from North Korea, attacks that emanated from other places. We, we have to hold those who can actually deter, those who can reach out and touch those people in a way that can protect and defend our systems, prosecute them, impose costs on those governments, make clear that this is unacceptable behavior. I saw the President Biden said that there were 16 sectors that the Russians couldn't touch. That's, that's silly. They shouldn't touch any of America, any of American sovereign systems, and we need to protect them all. Are you at all concerned that we'll see a, a growth in this part of the uh, sort of the cyber warfare? We're going to see increased attacks. Is is it going to become more debilitating? I mean, that, that pipeline attack affected many thousands of people along the eastern seaboard. Um, just here in, in the state of Texas, where I'm currently located, we had the winter freeze here, and it shut down power across the state. It had affected millions of people. Uh, we have a, a wind farm here in in, uh, in Texas that's owned by a, a Chinese national with connections back to the CCP that connects to our power grid. Uh, seems vulnerable to the average citizen. What would what would you say, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo? Yes, sir. Uh, these are real risks. Uh, we need to address them all. We, we should not permit anyone who has any connection to the Chinese government, and every Chinese company does, to own or operate, most importantly, our critical infrastructure systems. It's too risky. And your point about it increasing, it, it will most certainly increase. As technology improves and it becomes even more difficult to detect where these came from, the, the defenders, those who have to protect, must get even more capable. And then just as we learned to respond to ever-increasing kinetic power, right, from flintlock rifles, to high-powered machine guns, right, to missile systems, to space-based systems, just as in the kinetic space, uh, technology has improved the capacity for those who want to do harm. Those who have to defend against us develop, need to develop a strategy to push back. So, yes, I, I, I think there's real risk that this will increase. We've seen dozens and dozens of these attacks, but know that hundreds of them have been disrupted and thwarted as well. This is something that is going to continue, and the United States has to be very clear about its defensive strategy, its strategic defensive strategy, if we're going to deter this behavior. Uh, I want to talk about China in particular again. We see the, uh, well, I keep using the word tensions. <laughs> uh, I feel like it just feels this way. And this is part of the reason I wanted to talk to you, because as a, as a knuckle-dragger, ordinary, everyday citizen looking at the news and trying to figure out what's sort of uh, embellished and what isn't, it's hard to tell sometimes. But I, I got to be honest, when you're looking at the incursion of uh, military aircraft from China into Taiwan's airspace, we send ships over there, it feels like things are building up. Is that the case? Even the Philippines are pushing back. Australia's trying to push back. It seems like Things are heating up in the South China Sea. Is that the case? It's certainly the case that for 40 years, and this is Republican and Democrats alike, for 40 years, the United States 
allowed the Chinese Communist Party to walk all over us. And so did the rest of the West. You, you mentioned the Philippines. You mentioned Australia. Europe would be in the same bucket. We, we all had the theory of the case that said, if we just sell them a few more trinkets, if we just let another 100,000 of their students come study in the United States, they'll see how great America is, and the Chinese Communist Party will change its stripes. That wasn't crazy. And I can, I can now tell you for sure, not only was it crazy, it didn't work. And so the Trump administration, we began to confront. We, we did it in trade to protect. You talk about knuckle draggers, right? <laughs> you're, you're Texas. I, I'm from Kansas. I, I'm from the Midwest. We make stuff. We build stuff. We have technology service industries that matter an awful lot. We have to protect those people, to protect those jobs. This Chinese stole tens of millions of jobs and billions and billions of dollars worth of intellectual property from us. And we simply said, you know, that's okay. They're a developing country. We're, we're still fine. Well, we're not fine. It is unacceptable. And yes, we are pushing back. And you see that. You see it in the Chinese Communist Party's actions in Taiwan. You see the actions in Hong Kong. You see the fact that, and this, this I, I pray about this every day, you see what they're doing to over a million people in the western part of their country. Yeah. Conditions like we haven't seen since the 1930s internment camps, forced sterilizations, forced abortions on ordinary human beings who are just trying to live their lives and be with their families. This, this is the nature of authoritarian regimes. We know this. This, is, this has been the, the, the biblically true about how human beings must respect each other because we're each made in the image of God. The Chinese do not understand that. They've now foisted a virus on the world and covered it up, killing millions of people. And the regime in China, Xi Jinping and his colleagues on the Politburo, have not for a moment expressed any willingness to help us understand how this took place and help the world collectively push back to make sure that something like this can never happen again. This is when you when you talk about tensions rising, it is a direct result of Xi Jinping and the Chinese Communist Party increasing their intention to achieve global hegemony. Mike Pompeo is our guest. And, you know, I was wondering, we had a going back to talking about the technology and infrastructure especially with the modern warfare today, it seems as though we have shifted from uh, fighting like very much uh, wars in the, the traditional sense, and now we're fighting proxy wars, we're fighting digitally, we're fighting via hacking, uh, and we've seen that hackers at DEF CON publicly showed years ago how easy it was to maliciously take down power grids in the U.S. How has the U.S. cyber infrastructure become this vulnerable to begin with? Well, your point about asymmetric warfare, I, that's the military term, right, where it's really cheap to do offense. It's expensive to build a system that is capable of defending against what is a, a, a laptop and some high-end communications equipment that costs $5,000 or $10,000. So very asymmetric offense to defense. But look, we've built out our infrastructure in a way that we, we had our, have a pretty good handle on what's going on. It is the case. There will be someone breakthrough, someone achieve an attack. There is lots of effort going to make sure that that doesn't happen, and if it happens, it doesn't um, it doesn't cascade. That is, it is a contained attack. So, no, the, the American people should know there is lots of work that the American energy industry and others have done to prevent these attacks from causing a real problem here in the United States. Just just like with terror attacks, you 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 can't stop them all, but you can build that knowledge, infrastructure, intelligence collection, capacity to respond in a way that achieves deterrence to reduce the risk that one of these attacks is actually cataclysmic or does something that 
impacts a whole lot of people here in the United States. And we, we continue to build out what, what is missing from this administration's effort is a counter-strike strategic effort that makes clear that if someone engages in this kind of behavior, we're going to hold responsible all of the actors who are responsible for, for permitting it to move forward. Former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo is our guest, and I want to talk about Israel, Iran, China, and Russia. Are you at all concerned about the uh, the the deal that uh, we're discussing and negotiating with Iran over their nuclear uh, capabilities, their enrichment program, and how the deck it seems to be, or the you know things are lining up in such a way where we have like China, Russia, Iran on one side, and then us on the other, and who's actually playing the middle ground? It seems concerning to the average citizen. How do you see it? So I actually have a piece in today's Wall Street Journal talking about exactly this issue with respect to Iran. I cannot for the life of me understand how the Biden administration has the intention of cutting a deal with Ibrahim Raisi, the new selected president in Iran, a man with the blood of thousands of Iranian citizens on his hands, who's now the president of Iran, who we have sanctioned in 2019. I led the effort to sanction him personally. Uh, how they're going to negotiate a deal with him that they have any confidence in. But no one wants Iran to have a nuclear weapon, but the deal they're about to enter into won't prevent that. It's going to have a nine, it's going to be about a nine year deal. That's all that's left. The administration talked, they said they wanted that deal to be longer and stronger. It is going to be shorter and weaker. Mm. And that, that is, that is really dangerous for uh, the United States. But it is in the first instance, ain't dangerous for our friend and ally Israel. We we built out a, a very clear understanding with respect to Iran. If they punched us or they hurt an American, we were going to impose real cost. When Qasem Soleimani threatened Americans, we took him off the battlefield. We made clear that we were going to support the Israelis. We, we moved our embassy to Jerusalem. We recognized that the Golan Heights was the rightful land of the Israeli people. We acknowledged that Israel was not an occupying force. We then built up the Abraham Accords because in the end, it's peace that we're trying to achieve in the Middle East. We convinced four amazing Middle Eastern Gulf state leaders to say, yes, Israel has a right to exist. Going back into that deal presents risks to the Abraham Accords and the Gulf states, Israel and the United States, because in the end, the regime in Iran since 1979, since the revolution in 1979, has been intent on foisting its theocratic, kleptocratic regime on its own people and wreaking havoc throughout the Middle East. Uh, Mike Pompeo is our guest. Let's switch to domestic affairs, if we can. Um, as a Catholic, I see the world through my, my Catholic, my Christian faith, and I'm very concerned about a lot of the things that are going on in our own country, let alone around the world. I, as a Catholic, I was appalled at seeing the Sino-Vatican deal that became cryptic and who knows what was in it, and yet I see Catholics being persecuted and Christians being persecuted in, in that country along with the Uyghurs and others. But here in America, we're going full-on woke. And I wonder, will I have the right to speak uh, from my conscience in the near future? Will my children have to grow up in an, uh, in an era where they will have to keep their Christian faith secret in order to avoid being persecuted, either softly or even more in a hardcore way? What say you, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo? You're never going to let that happen, and your listeners are never going to let that happen. I, I'm an evangelical Christian. I, I talked about my faith when I was a Secretary of State uh, because it was important for people to understand who I was and how I thought about the world. I was 
unabashed about doing that. I think it drove some of the lawyers at the State Department crazy. <laughs> uh, but it was important for people to know who Mike was and how I saw the world, and my faith informs how I see the world, just as you described as well. When I see what's taking place today in our elite institutions, uh, the, the academy and universities, our faculties in our K-12 through schools, our, even places in our judicial system, and sadly now as a former soldier, I have to say, in our military, where people who come from a conservative worldview or a Christian worldview are told, no, that, that voice is not welcome, that in fact the nation was, was built on a, a set of racist ideas that is, that's fundamentally false. We have, to, we have to begin a revival of understanding our founding, the things that made America so exceptional and great. And I, I'm convinced. I see it everywhere I go. I've been traveling the country helping conservative candidates do the things they need to do to get elected. I, I see it everywhere I go. I hear ordinary people saying, enough, no more, not on my watch. I'm going to protect my family, my church, my school, my freedom. Uh, I am really optimistic that people have seen this movement, this this woke movement, this cancel culture, and they're going to respond, and there will be a counter effort to push back against it, and we will restore and revive the things that you and I all know are so central to making this nation the most exceptional in the history of civilization. And that brings up a great question, which is, you know, we hear constantly from the left how, you know, we have to have this separation of church and state, stop trying to bring your religion into the state, and they try to browbeat everyone and so set up their own religion, their religion of leftism, into the school system, into the uh, into our politics, into our government, into the military. How do we respond to that? It seems like many Republicans just roll over and say, you're right, we can't have religion and, and politics mix ever. Look, we all, we all know what the founders talked about. They, they, the First Amendment was unambiguously clear. We, we won't establish a religion, but we're going to permit every American the free exercise of their faith. And that means that if, if, if you're in school, or in my case, you're a, a, someone who's serving America as a, a member of President Trump's team, if you're, if you're engaged, you have every right to talk about your faith uh, and to pray and to, to do these things in a way you know, if, if someone chooses not to have a faith, our Constitution permits that as well, and they can practice their own. Or if they're not Christian, if they're Jewish or Muslim or, or, or whatever faith, they ought to have the right to practice their faith in the way they choose. We must demand this. Uh, I, I did it every place I was. I did it at the Central Intelligence Agency. I, I worked on it at the State Department as well to make sure that every person on the team that I was responsible for knew that they could bring their faith in, into the way they saw the world and how they acted. We, we, were, we, we swore oath to the Constitution, but we did not check our commitment to the Lord and to, to Jesus Christ at the door, and we should never be required to do so. And It's going to require us all standing up, demanding that this be the case, making sure that those leaders that you talked about who are rolling over don't, and if they permit, uh, if they permit the secular state to rise, if they're not prepared to, to fight and to never give an inch, then we need to find someone to run the country who will. Uh, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo is our guest. Uh, what is the one thing that keeps you up at night, not internationally but domestically? What's, is there an, a single issue or maybe a, a couple of issues that give you the most concern? You, you hit on it. We, we know the central ideas that made our country so special and holds our republic together. Our founders talk about this as a nation that depends 
on people of character and integrity and with virtue. Uh, if we get those things wrong, if we lose the bubble on that, I, I, you know, I worry about Russia. I worry about the Chinese Communist Party. I'm worried about the Iranians. But if we get it wrong at home, then we, we have the chance that we can lose this republic, this thing that, that is so special. This would be terrible for each of us. It would be horrible for our country. But it would be a really bad thing for the world because so much of the world does, in fact, depend on our democracy, our republic, to be that beacon, to be that place that they can look to as special and unique and model themselves on as well. It's what I worry about more than anything from outside today. Well, with the current administration, you know, basically labeling lots of people like us as violent extremists, I see a growing rift between the people in America, the majority of the people in America, and the government or the representatives in government that are supposed to be representing the people. What do we do about that? To elect the right folks. Uh, and I, I would say this gap, this separation, this is um, – is broader than that. The risk is even greater than you identified. It's about a ruling class that doesn't that doesn't uh, understand who we are, who e- each of us is, and what made America so truly special. Uh, I I've watched though. I've watched even these last few months since uh, since the election. I've watched Americans in places, and this is Americans of of every race, of every gender. Say enough, no more. I'm not going to let this happen. Uh, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to make my school better. I'm going to go to a PTA meeting. I'm going to make my community better. I'm going to attend a city council meeting, or I'm going to run for school board. I have seen Americans do those things. They take on those civic responsibilities and those responsibilities within their faith community, within their churches, in ways that uh, that that make me smile and make me have confidence that the United States will continue to be a great nation. I, I've, I've watched it. I've seen it. It is growing. It is a real movement. And we need to make sure that the leaders, the people that we send, not just to Washington, D.C., but to the Capitol in Austin, Texas, to the Capitol in Topeka, Kansas, to sit on our our county commissions, our sheriff's offices, that those people share an understanding of America that is in the the tradition of our founding. And if we don't, if we elect folks who are woke and want to cancel and want to voice critical race theory into our schools, then, then it will be on us for having failed to protect the things that matter most to each of us and to our families. Wow. Uh, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, we're very grateful for your time today. We know that you're, that you're continuing to work. You're getting active again. You've got uh, a CAV PAC that you've put together. Tell us about that real quick. So I created an organization called CAV PAC. It's a little nod to my time in the service. I was in the cavalry. Uh, the cavalry is the vanguard of the United States Army. It, it sounds the alarm and rides to the sound of the guns, and so CAV PAC. It also stands for championing American values, what, what you and I have been talking about this morning. We have to protect those values that are traditional and American. Uh, we're going around the country. I'll be in uh, Texas tomorrow helping Congressman Burgess. I'll be out in California on Saturday helping uh, another elected official. Working to make sure that President Biden and his team have as short a runway as possible and to promote candidates who will do precisely what you describe, who will be faithful, who are fearless and who are prepared to defend the things that have made this country so special. Wow. Mr. Secretary, thank you for your time today. We're very grateful. God bless you and God love bless you. you. Thank you, sir. All right. Praise be to God. What a great conversation with Mike Pompeo. We're very grateful. Uh, we're going to be replaying that 
uh, probably, I don't know, either tomorrow or Friday as well, and, uh, and sharing that widely with our audience also through our email list. If you're not on our email list, do us a favor and uh, make sure to get on our email list by texting the letters GRN to the number 42828 if you'd like a copy of that. That's a GRN. Just text those letters to 42828. That's GRN to 42828. Got a few minutes left before we have to say goodbye for today. I don't know if there's any... Uh, we can maybe... Do a mini after show now with sort of the regular, regular stuff. A lot of people hanging out with us today. Colin, good morning to you. Uh, Justina, good bo- good morning to you. Praise be to God. <laughs> they want us to give uh, Emily's phone number live on the air. I don't know if I can do that. Uh, All right, it's yeah. uh, yeah. four. No, just kidding. <laughs> but since you ask, here you. No, I'm teasing. I don't know. Uh, William Hensworth, good morning to you. Praise be to God, Mr. Thomas. Good morning. It's good to see you. Mike K was on earlier. He had to go. We'll we'll send him a copy of that conversation. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Joanne is Joanne Oki a a new commenter on YouTube? You, YouTube, yeah. Joanne, Joanne. Hmm. Joanne Oki. I don't know if you're still listening or not, but uh, I have never seen you comment before. Oh, yeah. I, I don't think I've seen her either. So you know what that means, of course. Sound the trumpets. The trumpets? No. <laughs> what is wrong with you? What? <laughs> Where was the volume when I needed it most? Oh, I actually had it turned down. Yeah, darn it to bits. Ooh, it Hallelujah, Joanne. Thanks for joining us today. Praise be to God. We were coming back from the break and uh, forgot to turn it back up. Uh, Tammy, good morning to you. Thanks for hanging out with us. Praise be to God. Susan, it's always good to see you. We're very grateful to you. Lucia, uh, praise be to God. Uh, Very grateful to you, Lucia, for hanging out. Glenn, of course, it's uh, always good to see you, my friend. And let's see who else is in here. Jesus Robles, friend of the of the show. Ubi, it's good to see you there. Patty, of course, uh, always hanging out. Monica, thank you for coming on and uh, and being with us today. We're very grateful to you. Over also on Josh Patterson, commenting quite a bit this morning. Good to see you again, my friend Josh. Always good to see you in the com box. Don, good morning to you. Praise be to God. Let's see. Colbe Moore. Uh, is Colbe Moore a, a new commenter? I think so, too. I am not 100% sure. He might be a repeat, but I'm going to err on the side of of uh, him being new. Oh, so it's not the horns. We're not... Um, okay. Colt? No. Well, hallelujah, Colbe. Thanks for hanging out with us. I have a son named Colbe. You know, Love Genevieve on uh, YouTube, she said... Uh, Adrian is a friend of mine. She said, I love Adrian. And Sienna said, Janelle is a friend of mine. It just reminded me of this. It just reminded me. Which is I should have asked Pompeo uh, what to do about Fonseca corrupting a whole new generation. That's, I mean, that's what Pompeo, I should have asked. Mike Pompeo is evangelical. He likes his music, right? I, I'm sure. I'm sure he does. Lori, good morning to you. Thanks for hanging out with us. Terry. Terry Berry. Is Terry Berry a new commenter? Where at? Over on Facebook, on CDT. Facebook. Let's see. Uh, praise be to God. Uh, Gloria, good morning to you. Joaquin, good morning to you. Susan Weber, good morning to you. Praise be to God. Glad, glad, glad to see everybody here today. But Terry Berry, I'm not sure if I've ever seen a comment come yeah, through from Terry Yeah, I don't think I have either. Praise be you to God. You know what that means. Yes, I do. Oh, wait. You're not doing the horns. Uh, Darn it. We're trying, to, we're trying to make sure these people stay. <laughs> don't want them leaving. Are there any second commenters forever? Good morning from Canada. Our friend from Canada. Praise be to God. Good morning to you. It's good to see you again. Uh, Mr. Thomas is joining us again. Praise be to God. Uh, thank you for coming back. And good morning, everyone. Uh, let's see. The Let's see. We, we had the entire Burrier family was commenting. Dominic said, howdy, Adrian. How's What's going on? What's up? 
Jonah said, thank you for letting us come to the studio and record Catholic ID. Uh, Dominic said, we went to Port Ar- Arn- Arnson's? Arnson's? Aransas. Aransas. Aransas Pass. Aransas. And camped on the beach. Nice. That's pretty cool. That is so, cool. That's pretty awesome. That is awesome. Praise be. I haven't done that in forever. The last time. I've never done that. Somebody's at the beach and you played that song? I know oh. it. The last time I camped on the beach in South Padre, Jesus, this is my friend. I think was 1992. Uh, good times. I love. It's always a good time to camp on the beach. I, I got stung by a jellyfish once when I was a kid. Ooh. It got caught, I got caught all up in its tentacles and I probably had, I don't know, 14 stings. I remember crawling up onto the beach, going into the tent and passing out for like two hours or something. Ooh, you know, ouch. Uh, it was it was painful, but I would go back in a heartbeat. It's so beautiful, it's so so much fun. Josh said he is uh, trying to commit to waking up at six thirty now. Do it, Josh. Wake up at six thirty. Make us your morning routine. Listen, uh, listen in, and uh, me and Josh are going to go and uh, look at houses again on Friday. So we should maybe we'll end up. Uh, I'll be in a way. I'll wake him up on my way out. You know, yeah, we're, ta- we're talking gated off. communities here. Oh yeah, I mean yeah. we're we're rolling in the dough, man. We we have like, um, what what are we what are we talking? Gonna, about? Ten thousand square feet or we're we're a car garage. Well, essentially, each we're getting a, a condo, and every Seven, eight each acres? one of us are going to get a floor, an entire floor to ourselves. You're gonna you're gonna buy the uh-huh. whole condo building exactly, and we're I all going to get a floor. I see, mm-hmm. I see, I see. Yeah. It makes sense. I can see that. Uh, let's see. Lucia asked a great question as we run out of time today. Uh, why does the Vatican continue to make deals with the CCP? And why do they keep the terms of the deals secret? I do not know. Uh, I wish that were public knowledge because, golly gee whiz, it does beg the question. Why cooperate with the CCP if they don't adhere to their side of the bargain? And what was their side of the bargain anyway? Because the, the Christians are being persecuted in that country in a big way. And not I, we didn't even bring up Hong Kong. I meant to bring up Hong Kong. Hong Kong has been hijacked well ahead of the schedule. And it is basically under complete CCP rule nowadays. In fact, we have a we we're going to be interviewing hopefully soon a person who escaped American living in China, married to a, a Chinese person, started their family there, had to escape China by the skin of their teeth. That should be coming up in the next week or two hopefully. All that and more coming up in Catholic Drive Time. Tune in tomorrow, 6 a.m. Central. We'll see you then. Thank you for joining us.